Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you've been here a while, thanks for your continued listenership. Just want to let everybody know that if you are not subscribed to my email list yet, please head over to Dr. Amy Robbins at, and you can subscribe there. Each week I send out an email with some channeled soul wisdom as well as some grounding, some things you can do to help ground yourself, which I know we all need right now. Does divine consciousness exist only with the Son of God or within all of us? Rina Kumara Singham explores this question in her new book, appropriately titled Divine Consciousness. In 2012, Rina made a commitment to move into the new consciousness by living in the high vibration. She is passionate in helping others do the same by making new consciousness living accessible through all of her books, online courses, one-on-one therapy, and training. Welcome, Rena. I wanted to just take a minute to tell you all about the upcoming course that I'm offering, which I'm really excited about, course or guide. I, I like the idea of guide better than course, but course is what you all identify with. So we'll call it that for now. Anyway, the course is going to be integrating a lot of what we talk about on the show, the notion of soul contracts, how to face your fears around death, how to embrace death, how to think about some of the lessons, or as I recently heard, sort of the curriculum of your life, and really use that to what I'm calling live your life backwards, and really map out an understanding of where you're going and and really tell into the essence of who you are. So if you are interested in this, I do have a wait list that is getting started right now and you can find that in my show notes. Also something else I'm gonna be trying out in next season is showcasing some small product-based businesses, particularly women run, but I'm open to kind of anything. And if you have a product-based business that is in the genre of some of what we've talked about on the show along the lines of like spirituality, maybe some wellness stuff, please reach out to me. I would love to use this platform to help support small businesses, especially now as people are really struggling for those businesses to stay afloat. So you can sign up in my show notes and if you're interested in more information about the course, also you can please sign up for my newsletter at dramyrobbins.com and you can email me or DM me on Instagram at dramyrobbins if you have a small business, a product-based business that you are looking to get some help promoting. And here's today's show. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. I'm really and pleased just, to be here. I'm excited to be here too. And I just want to share with the listeners, we're sort of in like a weird reverse order here because Rena and I started talking. We like jumped right into this amazing conversation about her near-death experience that she recently had. And so we're going to have this discussion at, at, and this will air first. And then next week I will have... Rena's near-death experience and our discussion about it. It was not supposed to be a podcast, but we just like got in and got in deep and got in deep fast. So um, I want people to hear that because it was really, it's quite an amazing conversation. And I think that it will be enlightening for people to hear your experience. But 
we're here to talk about your book today. Thank so yeah. let, let's start talking about what is divine consciousness? Okay. So divine consciousness is basically another term for soul consciousness or your God self or your divine self or your soul. And it basically looks at um, whether we have a soul or a divine part within us, within our physical body, within our mental body, within our emotional body. Is there, a, is there another level to us that is part of source or part of God or part of the, the greater divine? And so, you know, with a lot of um, mainstream religious teachings, you know, whether it's um, Christianity or or Muslim or, you know, um, uh, you know, with a lot of mainstream Christianity teachings, uh, sorry, mainstream religious teachings, um, the conversation has always been that the divine has always been external. So if we do something good or if we are, if we do not sin, you know, we'll, we'll get a, a blessing or a boon. I mean, this is, Pardon me, this is very pertinent in the religion that I grew up in, which was Hinduism as well, right? So if you go and you go to temple and you're vegetarian on certain days, and if you, you know, um, if you do certain things, you will most probably get a boon back. But then you also have the very esoteric teachings, which are not so mainstream, that focuses on the divine within, you know, are we divine within? Are we, are we, you know, manifestations of, of God or, or the source or, you know, the divine? And so this particular book, Divine Consciousness, looks at that and looks at how the teachings evolved in ancient Christianity as to the concept of God and the Son of God and how that evolved. And you're, the premise of this book is really about two people who you did past life regression with. That's right, yes. Can you tell us about that and what you found and how you know that this was, these were their past lives? Okay, yeah, I can. So I think to, to talk a bit more deeply about that, I'll have to go back to my first book, <laughs> which is called Shrouded Truth. So, and, and just to give you how, how the story emerged. So as I said, I grew up in Malaysia and um, Malaysia is predominantly a Muslim country and I grew up a Hindu. So the only thing I knew about Christianity were uh, Jesus died on a cross and Christmas and Christmas is just fun with a lot of presents. And that was it. Mm -hmm. That was about the extent of Christianity. And so when I moved to the UK and, and I started my practice in the UK um, where I'm based now, um, I had a client who came to me for between lives regression. And um, so with between lives regression, we always you know, one session is we always take them back to a significant past life before we do the between life session. And she went to this past life and she basically um, 
in as part as the session went went on, she basically identified herself as the brother of Jesus. And so I went, I sat, I was really shocked because I didn't know Jesus had a brother. But, you know, as part of being the therapist, you don't judge the story, you just help them flow through it. And so I helped her flow through it. And then when she came out of it, she says, yes, you know, I think I was James, the brother of Jesus. And so I thought, okay, that's it. You know, that's her, her story. Let's just leave it at that. And then a couple of months later, and this happened nine years ago, a couple of months later, I had another call from a person in Denmark wanting to do between life session with me as well. And she was really um, cute because she then went back. Her significant past life was another disciple of Jesus. And she identified herself as Thomas, the disciple of Jesus. And we went through the whole session and I'm sitting there thinking, did Jesus have a disciple called Thomas? You know, I didn't know this. So, but you mm-hmm. know, just raced her through it. And, and she came out going, did Jesus have a disciple called Thomas? And initially, uh, you know, we didn't know. And we Googled it. And sure enough, Jesus had a disciple called Thomas. And so that was her life. And over the course of four years, these different people came to me, either via the Past Life Regression Academy in which I train you know, therapists in, or, or whether they came to me as clients, I had eight different people came to me who all had uh, a biblical past life. But what was fascinating is the story that they, they shared is very different from mainstream narrative. And these people, you know, didn't know one. I mean, I had someone from Singapore. I had someone from Australia. I had someone from Denmark. I had a couple of people from the UK. I mean, you know, the only thing they had in common was me and coming to me for either training or for therapy. When these stories emerged, I thought, okay, you know, I think, I think the universe is telling me something here. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did was I contacted all of them and I said, listen, you know, um, would you mind, can we do more sessions? And obviously I didn't charge them for it, for the extra sessions. And, and I said, um, let's explore this further. And all of them were very open to doing it except for one person. I mean, he went back to the life of Peter, but he didn't want to participate in the project. So I said, okay, that's fine, you know. So the interesting thing is I I delved a lot deeper into their individual stories. And when you get eight people who don't know each other, but 80% of their accounts sort of dovetail into one another, and the main hook, you know, the main turning point of the story is very different from what's actually known in the mainstream. You know, something sort of went, okay, I think there's something real here. So I had... The, the main turning point being the crucifixion. That's right, the, the crucifixion, yeah. yes. And what happened to Jesus during the crucifixion. Uh, but, you know, just, but there were different things, elements that came through their individual stories that I found very, very fascinating as well. So when I took all the accounts, I said, all right, like, I, you know, I, I need to check these accounts to, with, with research, with academic research to see if anything made sense. And sure enough, there was a lot of research backing up a lot of these accounts, including 
names of emperors, you know, at the time, including things like, um, you know, the, the setting, what they ate, but also, you know, timelines sort of all matched up, the names sort of all matched up. Uh, not, not all the names, some of the names didn't match up, but most of the names matched up. And the crucifixion accounts also matched up. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to pull it together as a book and see what happens. But as I was um, working with these stories, I realized that there was more to three, three individuals. The first one was James, the brother of Jesus. Um, there were like glimmers of teachings coming out in James's you know, initial batch of regressions. And I thought, okay, it'll be interesting to see what more happened there. St. Paul the Evangelist, there were some teachings coming up, and also Mary Magdalene, some more teachings were coming up there as well. So I asked the three of them if I could do more regressions just to get some of the teachings out. But I also wanted to, to know how the story evolved from the accounts that came up for, with Shroud of Truth and the Crucifixion to the mainstream narrative if that makes any sense, because mm -hmm, you know, it's mm -hmm. so widely different. It's like a game of telephone. That's right. It is like a game of telephone. And, and I mean, I was very fortunate because it did sort of come up with divine consciousness when I sort of dug a little bit deeper into James's life and St. Paul the Evangelist's life. But with Magdalene's life, well, and this is why it came out in the, in, you know, I decided, you know, the Magdalene lineage came about was because, you know, her story was so fascinating and how she, she brought to life divine feminine principles and how she, she spoke and taught divine feminine principles in a very patriarchal world is, um, you know, ancient Judea was very patriarchal was just absolutely fascinating. And it's, I just thought it's something that is so relevant for us today as well. So I want to get to the divine feminine, but my question before then, first of all, if people have, don't know what a between life regression is or anything, I did a couple episodes a while back with Robert Schwartz, where you can listen to, to the, the different, perspectives on uh, past life regression and between life regression. So that's something that has been um, covered sort of more in depth on this podcast. But have you come across any other regression therapists who've said, wait, I had someone in my office who also said they were James or Mary Magdalene? Yes, not so much James, but yes, Mary Magdalene. And, um, and so what I did was I did, in, in, you know, at the back of the book, I was sort of, I, I looked at how different people could have go back to the same past life, especially if it's a well-known past life, you know, like Mary Magdalene. And there are a few, few ways that one can do this. The first one is if, if, if as a soul and as a, a personality, if we idolize someone so much, um, when we go back into regression, sometimes the soul can pick up that story from the mass consciousness and sort of, you know, experience it. So it's not so much 
one of their own, but it's something that comes from the mass consciousness. I mean, the second thing that can happen is confabulation, right? Confabulation is something where you've read something before, it's sort of stored in your long-term memory, and if you idolize or if you want to identify with this um, life or this character, it'll come through confabulation. And then you've also got the genuine past life. Why do I think that the Mary Magdalene that I sort of looked at was genuine? A few reasons. Number one, the person that I regressed, um, she's in the UK, but she also, she had, she had a, um, she wasn't Christian. She had no idea of any Christian. She hadn't heard of Mary Magdalene <laughs> before. One of the things that came out in Shroud of Truth and the Magdalene lineage is that Mary Magdalene was married to Jesus and had three children. This, she, she had no idea. So her concept of Christianity was Jesus is the son of God and died on the cross and, you know, ascended. And so, you know, it's fascinating how details like the name of her son or the name of her daughter and like these details of what happened to Mary Magdalene when she went to France. I mean, the person actually said the name in the province of France as well. It felt very foreign to her tongue, so she struggled with it. But, you know, it sort of came out quite nicely. So, and also her, the, the amount of emotion she felt and all of them felt during the session was really visceral. And if you look at the neurophysiology, you know, of where your emotional, I call it the, the emotional CPU <laughs> of the, you know, is stored, is very, very close to where you can retrieve, you know, either deep memories or repressed memories or soul memories or long-term memories, as opposed to it being in where, where you make things up. Um, so that is, again, another indicator that it is a, you know, uh, it, it is a, a genuine past life. And what was the reason for coming that got you regressed to that life? So different people came for different reasons. So a lot of people came for between lives and, you know, we had to take them to a significant past life. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then some, and then St. Paul, the evangelist, he came because he had a problem, like, like a challenge with, with something and he wanted to get to the source of the challenge. And when I sort of took him back to the source of the challenge, he popped into the life of Paul, the evangelist. Um, a couple of them came from students in our regression course. So when we do the regression course, they each practice on one another. And so we know whether it's body therapy or, or going back to, to a past life that's, that your higher mind picks for you. And a couple of them sort of popped into a bibl biblical past life as well. And um, so it, it was all very, very random how it all kind of came together. But, mm -hmm. but, you know, this is where <laughs> you, you think to yourself, okay, the universe wants me to do something here, so... <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I mean, attention. when eight people are showing up from the same uh, biblical experience, it seems like it seems like there might be more to it than just yes. random. 
Exactly. And in Shrouded Truth, sorry, I was just going to say, in Shrouded Truth, you know, I did regress someone who went back to the life of Jesus. And I'm going to do that with Eric. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm doing air, air quotes. Yeah. Because um, I, I messed with the process. So with all the other eight people, it, you know, the past lives came up spontaneously with this particular person. You know, he, I remember he was in a course and he was fighting quite hard for Judas during a general sort of lunch discussion saying, you know, Judas wasn't Judas, you know, he was actually a good person, blah, blah, blah. And he was very passionate about it. And I sat there, thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if he was Judas. And so I said to him, would you like to experience or see if you had a past life during the biblical times? And then he sort of popped into the life of Jesus. But (laughs) when I was was regressing him just the demeanor was very different the, the story you know the the anecdotes were also you know it wasn't very deep you know it was quite on the level quite superficial and so I, I put his regression in the appendix to show the difference between mm. what I think are you know authentic past lives and what he did which was more he idealized Jesus so much because he'd had lives as, as a cathar before, as a knight, temp, knight templar before. So he idealized Jesus so much that he just, when I pushed the process and I messed with it, oops, he <laughs> popped into the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it speaks to the power of the, the power of suggestion, right? And what happens when we can just let the process unfold versus if we try to shift or 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 plant anything exactly throughout that's the exactly right yeah and i mean it's so something oh, sorry go on it's something that we teach our train you know as and i was taught not to do that but i was very naughty <laughs> <laughs> so when you talk about the divine feminine and the divine masculine energy can you speak a little bit to what what that is yeah i can See, a divine feminine energy is not necessarily a, a you know a, a, a woman energy, and the sacred masculine energy is not necessarily a man energy. It's something that it's it's almost like yin and yang energy. You know, like with yin, it's the very cool energy. It's the very uh, reactive and or responsive and the quiet energy, whereas the yang energy is the very you know push go forth you know the very hot energy. Um, so the the feminine and the masculine qualities um, can be embodied by both men and women, but it has to be in balance for us to move into oneness. So some of the qualities, I mean, there is something called non-dual tantra, you know, part of the Hinduism branch that talks a lot about Shakti and Shiva. So, you know, in, within Hinduism, um, Shiva is a deity, a male deity, but he's always supported by Shakti, who is uh, the female deity. But Shakti in Sanskrit is energy. And Shiva is like the form that holds the Shakti energy. So it's almost like you need, you need a, um, so for, for a river to flow, you need something to hold the river, to flow through, right? Without that thing to flow through, the river, you know, the energy will basically go everywhere. 
And mm-hmm. without the energy or the water, the, 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 the thing that's holding the water has really no meaning for it. So, so some of the divine feminine um, uh, elements is something like emotion. You know, emotion is an energy and it's a divine feminine element. Intuition is, like a, is considered to be like a divine feminine um, element and rationality is considered to be a sacred masculine element. Mm-hmm. So when you work together, with, when you balance your intuition and you balance your rational analysis, you'll be able to perceive things in a very different way than you would if you just used rational analysis or if you just used your intuition. And once it is in balance, you know, it's, it, you're just a whole, it, you're a whole person, you're a different person, as it were. Well, and it seems to me that, I don't know, I've heard a lot lately about a push towards more feminine energy, that yes. there needs to be a push towards more divine feminine That's right. energy. But it's it sounds like really that push needs to be there to pull into balance the masculine and feminine. Exactly. Right? Yes. Not to just be solely a feminine energy, but yeah. to really balance out what has been sort of the more dominant masculine energy. That's exactly that. right. Because if you think about it, you know, and a lot of women adopt masculine traits the sacred masculine traits as well because if you think about say the corporate environment you know people sort of prize your rational analysis and if you go and you say well my intuition my gut says blah 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 some bosses may may appreciate that and you know and and acknowledge that but a lot of bosses are going to say well how are you going to back that up right and also, I mean, one and you of, and you can't respond. It's my divine feminine energy. Exactly, <laughs> they'll sort of stare at you. <laughs> right, right. Maybe one day. It's a future we could all hope for, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. But I still think if you have it in balance, you know, I think it's the best way. So if you're guided by your intuition, which, in my view, flows from your divine consciousness, from your soul self. And if, if you then take your rational analysis to affirm or to, to you know, to affirm your, your intuition, I think that is the strongest thing that we all have. But to, to listen to our divine feminine or our divine consciousness, it's a very quiet voice. It's a whisper, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot, of us, a lot of us live in a very loud world, right? Like it's what we're going to do and what other people are saying. And, you know, there's just so much noise that sometimes we don't listen to, to the quiet. So wisdom is a divine feminine attribute and um, knowledge is a sacred masculine attribute. Knowledge without wisdom, in my view, can be quite, can be weaponized, can be quite yeah, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But wisdom without knowledge, it's, you know, you're kind of saying things, but it's not sort of supported by, by, you know what I mean? So when you have both, I think it's a very, very powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Another element of divine feminine is receiving. So if we can receive things with grace, you know, and in a balanced way, 
that's where we're embodying divine feminine attribute within ourselves, whereas giving is a sacred masculine attribute. And so, you know, if say someone opens the door for you, and I just use this as an example, you know, because some, so a lot of uh, some of the women out there go, oh, you know, I can open the door myself. What they're doing is they're embodying more of the sacred masculine attribute and suppressing the divine feminine of being able to receive that someone's just opened a door for you. Now, of course, you can go and open the door for someone else. So, you know, you, a male can also receive the fact that you are opening the door for them. So it's, and, and I think a lot of women, especially in my practice, find it very difficult to receive things mm -hmm. and, right? And, you know, and a lot of it comes from the fact that they don't feel like they're good enough or they don't value themselves. And, you know, they just want to give, give, give to their family and to their loved ones. But in doing so, they're embodying more of the sacred masculine attribute. And, so being able to receive with grace and feeling that we're valuable enough to receive is part of embodying the divine feminine. So it's things like this that we can do to bring in more of the divine feminine energy within us. So what is this new, first of all, that was fascinating and super helpful to me because I, I luckily get to ask the questions that I would want to ask if I was listening to a podcast. <laughs> that's right. So that's the, that's the joy of having a podcast is you get to ask all your own questions. Um, what is the new consciousness and how are we shifting into it? How do we shift into it? Because I don't know what, whatever this old consciousness is, clearly not working. No, it's not. Um, so I'm just going to... Um, uh, fall back on some astrological information that I've got. Now, I'm not an astrologer, so I'm not an expert on it. But what happens is as we move through every, every I think it's every 2,000 years, we move from one astrological placement to another astrological placement. And it's just part of the processional movement of, the earth and so for so so for example 2000 years ago when jesus came along we were moving from the age of aries to the age of pisces so at this time we are moving to a different age and we are basically moving from the age of pisces to the age of aquarius what's also very fascinating about this time is that we have actually gone through all the 12 zodiac signs in that processional movement, and we are starting a new rotation. So this is the first time in about, I think, 26,000 years that we are going into a different age. Within Hinduism, it's called, we are moving from the Kali Yuga. Um, I'm not sure if you know, so, so goddess Kali in the Hindu deity mythology. She's quite a, a powerful, angry goddess. Um, and we, so they're saying that we're moving from the Kali Yuga to the Golden Age. And the Golden Age is basically an age of peace, an age, we're moving from a chaotic period, constrained period, to a more um, freeing period. So whenever there's a shift in consciousness, the way I like to describe it is that it's almost like we 
been bombarded by such high vibrational energy that it just shakes things up. Because, you know, I mean, a simple metaphor is when you move houses, for example, you get shaken up, right? Like you go through Mm -hmm. all your things, you discuss what you don't want you keep what you do want then you think okay I want to buy more of what I want you go through and you dust you know all the crevices of your house that you haven't dusted before and 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 all these like magical things suddenly appear or the dust just sort of (laughs) builds up your whole house so it's a very it's a process of upheaval before you settle into your new house and as we move from one consciousness to a different consciousness, it's also the transitional period brings up a lot of upheaval. So if you look at the period now that we've been going through for, for I think, the past four or five years, you know, we've had geopolitical shakeups. We've had, you know, right now we're going through an economic shakeup. You know, we're going through uh, social economic shakeups. Like everything is coming up for us to look at so that we can see this is what we want to keep and this is what we want to discard. So if I use the example from 2000 years ago, I mean, during the time of Jesus, if you look at the history, there was a lot of upheaval. You had geopolitically, you had the Romans occupying ancient Judea. And that was shaking up the, the geopolitical system because you had Herod and, and, you know, where basically Herod stays in the hierarchy. You had the Romans coming in. Then you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were the religious heads, you know, so, so everything was, was moved around. And then you had Jesus who came along with a completely different teaching who was also shaking up the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? Because he was, you know, he, he basically... Um, was saying that the divine, you know, everyone's divine and we don't need an intermediary to reach God. And then you had the Sadducees who are like, oh, no, actually, you do need us you know, and the Pharisees, you know. So that's basically what was. And then you have to pay us tri- tribute. And then you also had socioeconomic shakeups because then the Romans suddenly came and said, you ha- we have to pay you more. We have to pay more taxes. So the poor people got poorer. The rich people got richer. But then you know, there was yet another shake up there because a lot of the money was going to Rome. And, you know, hierarchical structures were being shaken up as well. And if you bring that forward now, you know, geopolitically, there's shake up in every major country in the world. You know, something is happening. I mean, we have, I mean, you know, what's happening in the States and in, in Europe, we have, you know, the whole Brexit movement. And then in, in other countries, you have other things happening. COVID is part of the shakeup as well. You know, a big global pandemic because mm-hmm. it, it makes us see what we value and what we don't value. Our entire lives have been changed, whether you want to work at home or, or work you know, in an office, like how you shop, you know, simple, basic things have just changed. Um, The economy is affected by all this as well. So there's a lot more unemployment, for example. Um, But then there are also people who are doing really, really well. So, you know, a lot of businesses have moved online now, as opposed to face to face. So, 
So all this is part of the moving and the shifting to the new consciousness because we get a chance to see what we want to keep and what we can discard. And maybe there's something new that can come for us to embrace as we move to the new consciousness. So how do we encourage people to, I know you talk about this on your website a little bit, like raise their vibration so they're kind of matching that consciousness or how, how do we raise our vibration so we don't get kind of pulled back into the space of the old consciousness? Yeah. So the first thing to do is to try to disengage with, with some of the things that are very much attached to the old consciousness. So one of the things, um, if I can just use my, my experience, because I, like, you know, you mentioned that we had a very deep conversation earlier because I had COVID um, in March. And when I had COVID in March, when I looked, and, and because very little is known of this disease, um, I was actually looking outside to get some information of how I can manage and get better from COVID. But when I looked at all the mainstream media, Everything, all the mainstream media were talking about how many people had died and how many people had something amputated. I mean, it was the worst case scenario. So for me, I felt like the mainstream media and the world were willing me to die because I couldn't find any source of strength. All I could find was a lot of weakness. And then when I moved on to social media thinking, all right, you know, maybe there's something here for me. <laughs> what I saw were a lot of debates and battles between to mask or not to mask, to isolate or not to isolate, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and there was nothing for me to hang on to to get some strength. And so the, the other thing I realized, because I was so weak as well when I had COVID, is that even when you have COVID and there is no strength, nothing is helping me shift my vibration up. You know, I could find things personally in my life to, to keep, to give me strength to, to, to come out of it. So when we live in that much fear and that much conflict, you know, the, the, uh, that normally happens in social media where there are these debates of, you know, emotional issues, we sort of hang on to an old consciousness. Even when we resist something we don't like or we don't agree on, we are still hanging on to the old consciousness instead of creating what we want and what we agree with in the new consciousness. So, I mean, um, Mother Teresa had a really great quote about this because she said, I will not go to a rally against war because I'm still in the consciousness of war. I will attend a pro-peace rally because that is what I want and that is what I want to create, you know? So that mm. is one of the ways that we can move out of the old consciousness and sort of create what we want in the, the new consciousness. The second thing is judgment because when we are leaving something that we're very used to and we are sort of moving into the new normal, the, what we, what the way we live our lives, the measures, those judgments, they tend to not be as relevant 
anymore. And so, and if we're still hanging on to these judgments and these belief systems, it's very difficult to break and go into something very new. You know, we'll still, I'm so sorry, we'll still be stuck with the, you know, in the old consciousness. So being very aware of our belief systems and what we judge and sort of stepping back and observing what we judge and why we judge it and being able to let that go is easier said than done, but it's a huge part of moving into the new consciousness. Um, how we how we consume food, like how we judge food or how we consume food can also be, you know, um, an integral part of moving into the new consciousness. So to give you an example, um, this, this brought it home when, when I had COVID, I couldn't cook cause I was in bed for eight weeks. And, you know, my poor husband was just doing everything for me, including the cooking. And my body really wanted whole foods, natural foods, um, but there was this one day when he was really tired and I wasn't, I couldn't get up to cook. And I said, why don't you put a frozen pizza in and heat it up? He put the frozen pizza in, he heated it up. I ate it and I got even more sick. You know, mm. my energy just plummeted, like it drew me down. So when we eat food that has been charged or that is wild or that's organic, and the reason why I say this is because the earth is getting a lot of the vibration into the earth and it's coming out through the produce of the foods. Mm -hmm. And if we can consume that sort of food with the nutrients that comes from it, it also helps lift our physical body into a different vibration. So these are like some of the examples. Wow. Well, there is so much meat packed into this episode. So thank you so much for, sure. for all your wisdom you've imparted on us today. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do, about your, your trainings and everything? Um, um, my website is um, the best place to go to. So it is www.reenakumarasingham.com. It will, notes, so it will be in my show notes. So it will be in my show notes. Yeah. Okay. So people so, so people can just find it and click on it that way. It'll make it a lot easier. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Rena, for your time today. I'm so grateful for our conversation. It was truly amazing and enlightening for me as well. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Amy. I really enjoyed being here and, and participating and, and talking with you. Likewise, thank you. <laughs> like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.